0: takes the snap. Sets up, looks, looks, looks. He's going to throw it way down there to team. Get it. He's going to score! He's going to score! He's going to score! on a 64-yard pass play! Harper's on Miller. McKee gets it in the middle for the win! It's four tenths of a second! He'll never be introduced the same way again. From now on, it'll be willpower Indianapolis 500 winner for 2018. Four hundred for Kenslowski. What is up? It is true, I am not dead. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been on here since uh, actually before the season. The NFL season actually started. It was the Monday before, uh, I believe, I don't remember. I think it was like September 1st. Anyways, uh, I am glad to be back finally uh, due to work schedules and everything else. It's been crazy the last couple months and I'm glad to finally be back. Uh, I am your host, Daniel Bragg. This is Bragg Rights on Die Hard Sports Radio. You can contact the, or you can interact with the Die Hard Sports Radio on their new website at dhsradio.com. On the site, you can find the lineup of shows, blog posts by the show hosts, and stream all shows if they're live, which is pretty awesome. I want to apologize to everybody just off the off the top. Um, I know there's some people that have been loyal listeners since I started this earlier this year, and having a three-month hiatus is unacceptable to me and should be unacceptable to everybody that listens to it. Uh, I apologize but again, work schedules, all that stuff. It got crazy. There was a couple times I almost started recording one on audition, and then I was just gonna post it randomly instead of doing it via Diehard Sports Radio. But I'm pretty loyal to Diehard Sports Radio because of they're the reason why I have why this opportunity came about, and so I really didn't want to at least uh, come back without doing it on here first. There is. I have debated, and uh, if you guys think it's a good idea, let me know um, about making this podcast multiple times a week. I have no problem with that, and I have seriously considered that. So um, that is all the updates, at least from the last three months. We've missed a lot. The first Monday I missed was because I was down at the Brickyard in Indianapolis because it got rained out, and then so we missed all of the Colts debacle that was the beginning of the season. And now we're catching up with the Colts as they just won their fifth straight beating the Dolphins yesterday, uh, 27-24, thanks to a Adam Vinatieri field goal to win it as time expired. Like I said, it was the fifth straight win, and uh, the Colts are firmly in the wildcard race. And I, I retweeted today a conversation I had with a local radio guy, uh, Derek Schultz, and I wasn't taking a shot at anybody. I was just, I found it funny. Uh, because when the Colts were I wanna say it was like one and four. Yeah, they were one and four, one and four, one and five, one of the two. Um, before this winning streak happened, um, I made a comment on there about how th- going for Frank Wright going for the win against the Texans instead of going for the tie might come back to bite them in the butt. Especially when it came to playoffs. Everyone thought I was nuts when I said that. And I look, I understand. When the Colts are one and four, one and five, why should we buy into the fact that they're going to make the playoffs? But it, it's happened pretty much exactly as I figured it would at the beginning of the season, when I did my week to week to week predictions. Uh, that I had the Colts at four and four at the bye week. Instead, they were three and five because they dropped that game against the Jets. The game against the Jets to me is unacceptable, but. Hopefully they can overcome it. I mean, just getting blown out by the Jets was probably the low point for this team this season. But them making the comeback that they have, winning five straight, you look at their schedule, I don't know another game that they, can, that they should lose or that they seriously are going to be the underdogs. I know they're going to be the underdogs in, t- in uh, Houston in two weeks, but I still think they win that game. I look, and and I've had conversations with people at work, I've had conversations with people just talking sports, and they all think I'm crazy. I still do not believe in the Texans. I wholeheartedly believe the Texans lose to Tennessee tonight. Wholeheartedly. They're just I I feel like they're they're the biggest fake out there. Yes, they've won seven straight, and good for you, but I, I just I don't I don't see it. Like, when I watch them play, they've gotten lucky so many times. Eventually, that luck's going to run out. It has to. But we'll see. Um, going back to the Colts game yesterday, uh, Andrew Luck went 30 for 37, 343 yards and three touchdowns. He also had two picks before halftime. It wasn't pretty. Um, he he underthrew uh, T.Y. on one and then underthrew Ebron on another, like, real bad. Both of them were really bad. I don't know if uh, – I I don't know if he was trying to do too much. Well, I think he was trying to do too much. They had about a minute left before the half, and he really wanted to go in with the lead. And um, he was just making stupid throws. They were back-to-back stupid throws. Uh, Made no sense to be that short of the guys running these routes. But, I mean, he made up for it in the second half. I think he had one incompletion. So, you know, there's that. I mean, he still only had seven incompletions, so technically he only had five incompletions because the ball didn't touch the ground. But anyways, um, Marlon Mack uh, had 85 yards on just 15 carries, continuing this newfound run game that Frank Reich has been able to establish. You know, that thing that Chuck Pagano tried to establish for like five years or however long he was in here, it was it was an eternity, what felt like. But however long he was here, that run game that he said he was going to get going, that he never got going, Frank Wright got it going. And it's great. It's great to see. And uh, T.Y. Hilton had seven catches, 125 yards, had another big game. Didn't get in the end zone, though, Um, which, you know, what can you do? Ebron catches two more touchdowns. The 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 dude's going off. And uh, Jack Doyle caught another one. Speaking of Jack Doyle. Uh, news came out about, I don't know, two hours ago now. Jack Doyle has been placed on IR with a kidney injury. He had a procedure yesterday, according to head coach Frank Reich, and they're hoping he can be released from the hospital soon. It's a big blow to the Colts. Uh, it takes away a little bit of depth at that position. They, they've got just about the best tight end core that, of, of any NFL team, which has been great for this team. So hopefully they can overcome that. But I really, I really think they can. I, Doyle, he's been out, been out, been out. And that's why Ebron sort of had every opportunity to make this big coming out party that he has had. Which has been great. I said, I don't know if I said it on here, but I, I said it, I, I was saying that I thought Ebron, when they signed him, I thought they brought in Ebron to be tight end number one. I thought by mid-season he would firmly take hold of that position. I at no point anticipated it was going to be due to Jack Doyle being injured. But I really think that's what has happened. I mean, Doyle is the blocking tight end. Blocking tight end is not going to get the stats of a receiving tight end. That's just not the way it works. So, I mean, I don't know if you can really call him a tight end 1 and a tight end 2. Or, you know, starter, backup, whatever you want to call it. Because they both play a lot. I don't know if you can really call it that. But, I mean, that's essentially what they are. Ebron, thank God, Frank Reich has figured out how to make that work, and everyone in Detroit hates it because he. This is the guy that he should have been in Detroit, but Detroit couldn't figure it out, and Frank Reich has figured it out, and it's great to see. Colts are two games back currently, the Texans in the division, and this the game the game tonight, uh, Tennessee at Houston. It, it's it's a win-win for the Colts. Uh, if the Texans win, Titans fall another game back, Colts solidify again, only being I think I think it's them and the Ravens that would be tied for the uh, wild card, I believe, at six and five. If the Texans win, yes, they're tied at six and five as well, but it brings the Texans back another game. And I've seen it on social media and I've heard it on the radio them saying people are saying that the Texans, are out of reach. They're too far out for the Colts to catch them, which to me makes me want to hit my head through a wall because I don't know if you don't know the tiebreaker rules or if you're just over a little oversight. The Texans, let, let, let's speak in hypotheticals because this is all this is about. Hypothetically, the Texans lose tonight. Let's say both the Colts and the Texans win next week. Colts-Texans, if the Colts win that game in Houston, the Colts own the tiebreaker. I don't think anybody realizes that. Because the Texans will have dropped two in the division. And the Colts would only have dropped one. Then it essentially sets up a, the Colts have to beat the Titans to solidify secure that Divisional championship. So people that say that the Texans are too far out, I I, I think they're crazy. And really, I think the the people saying that are the ones buying into how good the Texans are. Texans aren't that good. And like I look, I know numbers will back up that they're good. I know record backs up that they are good. Look at the scores of their games. Look at how that team has performed. I don't. I no. You don't win that many games in a row by getting lucky every single game. There have definitely been games where they have gotten lucky. So we we need to stop assuming that this team is really a 7 and 3 team. They're not. They've gotten a couple wins. They should I mean realistically, I think they're a they're just about as good as the Colts. They're just about as good as the Colts. So as equal as they are, that's why that game in two weeks is really huge. <coughs> Excuse me. That's why that game in, in two weeks is really huge. And, um. you know, the, the Colts just got to do what they got to do. They've looked great. Andrew Luck's looking like a, well, so, he solidified his comeback player of the year. I don't think anybody's going to take that from him. I really don't. And there's there's serious discussion of him being the MVP. I don't think he gets that. I really hope Drew Brees gets it this year. But I feel like they're going to steal it from him. I really do. I feel like someone's going to steal it from him. Even though he has the numbers to back it up. And even though his team has only lost one game. I feel like because it, the, the awards go to the guys that are talked about the most. And everyone forgets about Drew Brees. Everyone, when they talk about the MVP race, forgets about Drew Brees. They mention the guys that are talked about. They mention Mahomes. They mention Goff. They mention Luck. They don't mention Drew Brees, and that is a crime because Drew Brees is playing some of the best football he's ever played at the age that he is, and that should be recognized by an MVP. But I think we all know it won't be, and that and that's another sad reality, the fact that we can all predict that it's not going to be. It's not going to be recognized. It's sad. The The man is going to retire with every record record, that you can have that's good passing wise and he's going to finish his career without an MVP you watch and anybody that's okay with it you're you're the problem because Drew Brees deserves it he's the I mean from everything that you see everywhere he's the nicest guy ever you'd want to spend time with him he cares about everybody he's a family guy and he takes care of business on the football field but he's not going to finish with an MVP you watch all right, moving on to uh, the NBA, because I've, again, been out for a while. The uh, Pacers are in action tonight uh, in in Utah taking on the Jazz. The Jazz will be without Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I think Donovan Mitchell, this will be his second game. Uh, I saw Donovan Mitchell and the Pacers take on each other last Monday, and the Pacers look great against at least Utah, even with Donovan Mitchell. So hopefully tonight they can look equally as g- great, because last week they didn't have – Oladipo either they're not going to have Oladipo tonight. Who's still nursing a quote unquote sore knee? I don't know, missing four games and essentially missing five games with a sore knee. I don't I I I don't want to read too deep into it or speculate too much, but I I find it hard to believe that it's just a sore knee if he's missing this much time. But anyways, uh, the Pacers have been two and two since he went out. So we'll see. Again, without Donovan Mitchell being for the Patri- or for the Jazz. They've got a real good shot at pulling it out. As they've got to get more production from everyone that is not named Sabonis or Bogdanovich. And the reason I say that, their starters have not been performing whatsoever. Short of Victor Oladipo, uh, Miles Turner leads in one category, and that's blocks, which is good. Don't get me wrong. We need The Pacers need the interior defense, but he's shooting worse than he's ever shot in his career to this point. He's rebounding, I believe, still less than his already low career average to this point. He's averaging fewer points. I don't know what's going on with Miles, but he's got to figure it out. Because I, as anyone that has listened to this since the beginning or has talked to me on Twitter or whatever, you know I'm not, I've never been a huge Miles Turner guy, but I don't want to be negative on the guy if he doesn't deserve it. I try to be fair. And the problem is right now it's all negative. And I really don't like to be that way. Sabonis off the bench. Fortunately, they have worked out the minutes to where Sabonis is getting just I, I, I want to say on average like two minutes less than Miles Turner. And Sabonis is turning it into great time on the field or great time on the court. Great time on the court. And then you got Aaron Holiday. The rookie coming off the bench, scoring great points and getting minutes that he absolutely deserves recently. But since Oladipo's been out, it's been basically the Sabonis and Bogdanovich show. Uh, Tyreek Evans has shown up every so often. Darren Collison has to figure something out. If Darren Collison can't get it going, he has to come off the bench. I don't know how much longer they can really keep starting, keep putting him out there if he's going to get these career low. I mean, I don't know if it's career low. It feels like, it's his worst year since he joined the Pacers, at least. Now that I say that, he might have only joined him last year. But either way, I know he's been here before. And he's just... He's not producing. As a starting point guard, he's not producing. And I understand last year, it was it, it was a rarity. You're, you're not supposed to have career years like you did last year at his age. But he's got to figure something out if he's going to keep that starting job. But the problem is, I don't want Corey Joseph starting. Because I've never been a big Corey Joseph guy. Aaron Holiday has been great off the bench but I I, and I don't I'm not going to say that they should jump him over Corey Joseph but they need to figure out something at the one I I don't know what that is and I feel like that's why Darren Collison's still starting because they don't know what to do Uh, they don't want to throw the rookie out there as that one jumping from basically getting no minutes to all of a sudden he's the starter but when he's getting 19 points off the bench you know what, what, what Are you really going to keep pushing him down there? And I, I did see he's getting about, I, I want to say, like 20 minutes the last couple games, which is great, which is great. But the Pacers need something because the last two games have not looked good. But, I mean, overall, their season has not been bad to this point. Uh, it's still very early in the NBA season. That's, that's one of the struggles of the NBA season is it's just so long that even to this point, unless you're really down or really good – if you're in the middle, they're 11-8 and eight right now. I mean, that that's good. I mean, you're solidly in the playoffs right now, but you still have, what, 60 games left, 61 games left? So the real focus needs to be on getting Oladipo back, uh, getting them healthy, and uh, hopefully they can start that by uh, getting a win tonight out in Utah. Moving on to, because I have extra time, so I, <laughs> I wanted to mention it. And the only reason I want to mention it is because I'm a Purdue fan. And I've been gone for so long, so I haven't been able to have, have an opportunity to talk about it. And that's Purdue's Jeff Brom being rumored to go to Louisville. God, I hope not. First of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that out off my chest right now. God, I hope not. It's completely fanboy of me to be saying this, but God, I hope he doesn't go anywhere. Because he's good for Purdue football. He's good for Indiana college football. He's won two Oaken Buckets in the 2 years he's there and they're going to be in two bowl games. It's great. And it's look, it's a sore spot and I'm going to I'm going to probably go off on a rant that I get burned on a lot, especially on Twitter, but hear me out. College coaches leaving to go to other colleges. It it irks me. And I t- I'll tell you what really when it really started was when Holtman left per or er, Butler. After signing a massive extension, I don't know. It felt like a week later. He decides to go to OSU, and it irks me. And I always get told, "You hear it on." I hear, hear it on the radio all the time. Well, if you got offered another job for more money, there's no doubt that you would jump ship. My counter to that is, I in my job do not have a certain time frame in which I promised to be that job. In other words, I didn't sign a contract at my current job to be there for three years and get paid X amount of money. Coaches do. Coaches sign commitments. That's what that is. If you agree to a contract for four years, whatever million dollars, you agreed to four years in whatever million dollars and the reason it really irks me is that we don't we we let the coaches jump ship whenever they want as long as the other school is going to buy out that contract we let the coaches jump ship whenever they want and we justify it by saying oh they're just making a better life for themselves they're, you would do it too okay let's let's say i'll do that but if that player wants to follow me he has to sit out a year so, we're making these young men, fresh out of high school, commit 100% to this school. You're committed to this school. And if you want to leave, you can leave, but you got to waste a year. You got to sit out a year. Meanwhile, that coach that just lured you to this school can leave tomorrow, and we can't do a thing about it. That's the problem in college football and basketball and college sports in general. That's my my biggest beef with college sports, and that's why I really can't get 100% behind them, even though I've always been 100% behind Purdue. The reason I don't really pay attention to it that much is because of this scenario, where a coach signs a contract for a certain duration, and he can just jump ship whenever he wants. Because a bigger school, or not even a bigger school, Louisville's not a bigger school, and their football program is in shambles. He'd be going down there for sentimental reasons. And look, I get it. But, and maybe it's me putting too much on college coaches. We expect so much from high school coaches as far as to sculpt these young men. But we don't expect it from college coaches. And I don't get that. Because 18 to 22 year olds, we were all that age at one point, And we needed somebody to sculpt us. And especially these young athletes. Especially these young athletes. Especially the ones that are going to be one and done. They have to have sculpt you basically have to set an example for them. And that's what they should be doing. And all you are doing, if you jump ship, is show, look, you really don't have to follow... You don't have to be committed to commitments. If someone offers you more money, screw the commitment, go get more money. And that's a problem. And it shouldn't be happening in colleges. In educational institutions, it should not be happening. The only fix you have is either... Make it to where players can jump ship just as easily as coaches, which they'll never do. Or you actually make these coaches have to either, you can't make them coach. You can't make them coach. But you can tell, you can implement a rule that if you want to get bought out, you sit out a year. The coach has to sit out a year just like the players would. And nobody likes that idea. Nobody likes that idea. I don't know why. Because, well, he's getting paid. That's his livelihood. Look, if a college wants a specific coach bad enough, they're going to pay him to leave. Or that coach is going to look at it, his financial situation and say, you know what, I made a commitment to this school. I need the money. I'm going to stay here until the end of my contract. When my contract is up, then I'll go to your school. And that's exactly how it should be in my eyes. But, you know, that's why I don't work for the NCAA. I don't make the rules in the NCAA. I, I, and that's why I really shouldn't be mad. I'm not mad at Braun. I, I promise you that. I'm not mad at Jeff Braun. Am I mad at Chris Holtman? Yeah, a little bit. But am I mad at Chris? Er, at Jeff Braun? No, because he hasn't left yet. And he swears, he swears and he's said it a thousand times that he's committed to Purdue. I really, truly want to believe that. But at the same time, as a guy that has watched... Butler coaches do what they do. I don't believe it. I wholeheartedly believe he is saying that to get to the bowl game, and once the bowl game's over, he's jumping ship. And I really hope it's not the case. But I really, truly believe that's probably the case. Uh, Last thing I'm going to hit on is the college football playoffs. I don't know if the rankings have come out. Give me one second to look it up. I know... The AP had um, Ohio State jumping a lot um, Let me see If they got new rankings uh, Before before the AP rankings came out uh, I posted on Twitter my rankings And that was Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame Georgia, Oklahoma And then Ohio State at 6 And I, I know that's where they jumped The uh, Ohio State Buckeyes to After beating Michigan no, they haven't updated the rankings yet. Either way, the college football playoff, look, it's really... And, and I said two weeks ago that there was a chance Ohio State was going to get back in. A one-loss Ohio State gets in, I believe. Look, it's everything's set up for Ohio State to make the playoff. Because Texas, I believe, can get Oklahoma again. I really... I don't know that. But I think they can. If and then Alabama beating Georgia again in the SEC in the SEC title game you're not going if Ohio State goes and beats Northwestern and the two lose above them regardless of the fact that Georgia lost to Alabama you're not going to not throw Ohio State in there Ohio State is going to be in the playoff pending Oklahoma w- losing really does it really matter i don't know because I think they're all playing for second. I think they're playing for who's going to get blown out by uh, Alabama in the national title game. I, I and that's that's the that's another thing I want to hit on. Is Alabama football good for college football? To me, no. But I have to watch it in my job. That's what I do. <laughs> I I help cover it, so I I'm I have to watch Alabama football and I have to watch college football. When Alabama's on, I'm interested for about a quarter. And then they make it to where there's no chance that they're going to get beat. And I turn it off. And all these people that are diehard college football fans, I don't know how you are at this point. Because Alabama is absolutely ruining college football for me. I'm not mad at Alabama. Don't get me wrong. I'm not mad at Alabama. I'm not mad at Nick Saban. I'm not mad at any of the players. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. But this is what happens. This is what happens. And this, I mean, Michigan fans are losing their minds because, uh, and actually talking about firing Jim Harbaugh because he can't win against Ohio State. It's 2018. Your legacy of what you did in the 60s, 70s, 80s doesn't matter anymore. It's 2018. So the fact that you were great in the 70s and 80s. Same thing with Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's got that staying power because they're Notre Dame. But Michigan, as a guy that lives in Indiana, has lived in Indiana most of my life. When I think of college powers, I do not think of Michigan. I think of Ohio State. And these kids that go to these schools are also thinking that. They think Ohio State is the pinnacle for for Big Ten. It's not Michigan. And that's one of the problems that... Jim Harbaugh is having in recruiting because he's got to convince these kids. No, you come to Michigan, we're going to build back up what we had at one point. But the problem is you can either be a part of the rebuilding process or you can go to Ohio state and be already on top of the big 10. Well, a lot of times, especially if these guys aspire to be in the NFL, they're going to go to Ohio state and yeah, they might sit on the bench until they're juniors in high school or juniors in college. But by the time they get that starting, they know they're going to be on national television. They know they're going to be in title games. You go to Michigan, you don't even know that this coach is going to be there. Because for some reason, Michigan is very, like, has no problem firing people. Apparently to the point where we're discussing whether Jim Harbaugh is going to get fired. You were just ranked the fourth best team in the country. And yes, you lost big against Ohio State. But you were the fourth best team in the country, and then you lost. So you're still the eighth best team in the country. If that's not good enough for your program, you kind of have unrealistic expectations. And that's, that's really all I have to say to Michigan fans. You have unrealistic expectations. And maybe that's because I'm a Purdue fan. Unrealistic expectations to me is eight wins. <laughs> it well it's not unrealistic U- under jeff Brom, he's got that program going the right direction and that's really why i don't want him to leave because for the first time in a long time it is fun to watch purdue football and i really hope really hope that jeff brahm ends up deciding to stay at purdue following this season but that's all i have today i really appreciate everybody that downloads the podcast listens to it live However you consume it, I really appreciate it. You can find the show on Google Play Music, SoundCloud, or iTunes, or on the Mixler page. We uh, catalog everything on there. I love everybody that listens to this. I love everybody that helps push this thing forward, helps reaffirm that this dream is possible. And I will talk to you guys next week. Bye. (coughs)